Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. I hate this place. I do. Ed Graney. I'm telling you, I hate it. Tyler Bischoff. I'm in a hostile environment. I am completely unprepared. I'm surrounded by people who probably want to kick my ass. It's like being back in high school. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go on a Friday. Welcome aboard. Pressbox, Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Big show had a lot of good guests. Where's the parade? Going to be in Connecticut? <laughs> Maybe Connecticut's planning We're one. We're still printing the shirts. <laughs> the, sun, the sun is planning one after that shellacking last Beat night. Beat down. Thought we were getting a WNBA title last night. I know. I think we both predicted that blowout. And uh, it was a blowout. We predicted that correctly. Nailed it. But um, we did not nail who the winner would be. It's irrelevant. Jared asked you before the show, what was on? You had the, both the football and the basketball on the TV? Yep. And the baseball? Yep. Three TVs. Always. Astros were a day game, I thought. No, they played uh, on Fox last night. Oh, did they? I'll, 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 I can complain about that later. I got blacked out. On Fox? You got drunk? Yeah. Oh. How did your um, Amazon work? Perfect. I didn't have any problems with it. Really? Mind did you have problems? I had the circle. I... Uh... <laughs> You know the circle when it the the internet slows down. They were kicking an extra point, and there was like two something left on the clock when I got a push notification that said the Chiefs win. <laughs> Little delay. I had no problem at all. Mine really? was perfectly fine. Yeah, I didn't. No, I had the I had the round circle. I had to keep pushing play and pushing play. No, no, mine was just as good as if it was on real TV. I liked Herbstreit actually. I was surprised. Oh, I did not. No, I thought I thought he was he was rough. He was pretty good. <laughs> Sounded like you hadn't watched football games in eight months. Just showed up and was like, ah, what do I normally say? All right, really? that sounds I good. Yeah. I kind of like that He kid. at one point said, uh, if you're the Chargers, you should go for this because Mahomes is on the other sideline. And then later said, if you're the Chargers, you shouldn't go for this because Mahomes is on the other sideline. What's your point? That he didn't have a yeah, point. He didn't have any. Like, <laughs> he, I, just, he, I don't know. Where, where did I get this? I thought he and uh, I thought there was a little chemistry there. For Had they worked together before? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think so. So is this the Amazon crew? Yeah, yeah. They gave Herbstreit a bunch of money, which I uh, okay was a weird one because he's yeah. he's always done college football. He's always done college. And they gave him a bunch of money to come to the NFL, which fine, whatever. But you know, do a, do a little bit more preparation. Have a point. Yeah. Don't just tell us ah, you you're, should punt here, you should go for it because not, Mahomes is on their side. You're not Charles Barkley. Hey, you, you have to do some preps. First effort, I give him a <laughs> thumbs up. I give him a. You're a lenient grader. B. B. I wish you were my teacher. <laughs> The worst. The first bite. Should the Raiders blow out the Cardinals? Oh, is that it? Should they? Was was that not it? I guess it is. Sorry. My bad. Um, Should they? No, because I'm not convinced the Raiders are a team ready to blow out anybody. (laughs) As bad as the Cardinals looked. I, it, to me, it's more on the Raiders' side of things where I'm not ready to convince me that they're ready to blow anybody out. So, Kansas City beat Arizona 44-21. to Kansas City blew out Arizona. The Raiders are favored by five and a half now over the Cardinals, which is a big spread to me. Like, I, I didn't think it spread. would be that high. It was three and a half at some point uh, earlier this week. Now it's five and a half. Um, the Cardinals looked bad in that week one against Kansas City. They had the worst defense by DVOA. In week one of the season, they were bottom 10 in offense as well. I think there's a level here of we don't exactly know how good the Cardinals are. 
Like, there's a chance the Cardinals are bad. There's a chance we look back at the end of the season, the Cardinals are like a five or six win team. And you're like, oh, yeah, you probably should have blown that team out. But I, I'm i with you on the idea that right now for the Raiders, they haven't, they're not good enough that they go into any game and you'd be like, oh, yeah, they should, they should blow the other team out. Because I think Josh Dubow had the stat yesterday. Since Carr's been the quarterback, they have, I think, five wins by 15 or more points. Like the Raiders just don't, they just don't win by a lot of points. If they win games, they're generally close one score games. So there's part of me that feels like this could be a blowout because there's part of me that thinks the Cardinals might actually be kind of bad this year. And if the Raiders are a true playoff contender, they should blow out bad teams. But it's just it's hard to say the Raiders should blow somebody yeah. out. And in all seriousness, until we see them to it, right? If right. they beat Arizona right. by three touchdowns, then, then we can look ahead and then say, you look ahead and say, okay. They can do that. Whoever the bad teams are. Right. But until we see that, they're probably a team that if they're going to win 10 games, they're going to win 10 relatively close games. And five and a half is not blowing someone out. It is five and a half would not be blowout, but it is, it is a big spread. Like that's, that is a lot of points. Someone put a lot of money towards them. If it was three and a half and now it's five and a half. It's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's a hard team to figure out the Raiders because like, let me ask you this. What does Derek Carr look like this week? That's interesting because the Cardinals, as Josh McDaniel said the other day, blitz a ton. Yeah. So Derek Carr is going to look like maybe how his offensive line looks like. Generally, Carr's been pretty good against the blitz because usually when teams blitz, he's aware, oh, I'm going to be under pressure. I need to get the ball out quick. And they make the adjustment pre-snap and Carr gets the ball out quick. Generally, he's been good against the blitz because they throw it before the blitz can get home. So if if Arizona comes in and blitzes a lot, I think that that's that's better for the Raiders than if the Cardinals just simply are able to get pressure with their front four. And if they have to blitz or if they do blitz a lot, then I kind of expect Carter to have a better game. I mean, to be honest, I expect Carter to have a better game, period. Well, he has to have a better right. game than he did last week. But like I, I'm kind of expecting this to be a good Derek Carr week. I think on Monday we're talking about a good Derek Carr week where – he handled the pocket well. They moved the ball pretty well, and they put up whatever that would be, 28 points or something like that. Right? Like, I think we're talking on Monday about a pretty good Derek Carr week because I'm not convinced Arizona's defense is going to be anything special this year. I think I think it's going to be a pretty bad defense over the course of the season. So I'm expecting a good Derek Carr week. Maybe the blitz is enough to throw him off. They get to him a couple times early, and, and that ruins it for him. But I think he'll be good against Arizona. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with you. He's not gonna throw three. I don't think he's throwing three interceptions this week. I think he's gonna be, he's gonna be a lot better. He can. What was his passer rating last week? A 68. Should have been a negative I mean, 68. Yeah. So <laughs> he's not gonna do that again. He's not gonna do that at home. Um, I, I, and we have down here. I'm interested to see, especially if he gets the ball out quickly. Um, and you know the routes are shorter. How many targets go to Devonte Adams comparative to everyone else? Because last week we know that it was just totally one-sided for Devontae. So, is that bad? If I mean, Devontae Adams if has, what did he the have? game, did it's have, not bad. Did he have 15? I can't remember the number. If, if Devontae Adams has, whatever, 15 targets. No, he had 17. 17 targets. And Renfro and Waller com- combined for like 12. I mean... I, I don't know if that's bad or not because Adams is really good and you probably should want to throw to him as much as you possibly can. So, it's like it's not a bad thing to throw it to Devontae Adams... A lot, but I also wonder if that's not actually going to help them win as much. Because if you become locked in on Adams, 
A, Waller and Renfro, who just got new contracts, are a little less useful. I don't know. I just, it, I can't tell if that's good or bad to throw it to Devontae Adams 15, 17 times in a game. I mean, I think at the end of the game, you look at the score. Yeah. And if they won and he had 17 targets and 10 catches and a couple touchdowns, and you're like, all right, that was a good decision. Was it good last week because he had a big game, but they lost? I mean, the thing last week were the interceptions. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I, I don't know if the targets meant much last week. 17 were a lot. It was his third most in his career, tied for third most in his career last week with 17 targets. That's why he came here. He's like, this Rodgers no, guy I mean, won't throw can, it to me yeah, 17 this, times. The other Hall of Famer won't, <laughs> won't throw it to me. This guy, he's going to throw it to me every time. Derek Carr is going to try to get in the Hall of Fame by just, just by, throwing to me. Just by target, targeting <laughs> Devontae Adams every play. That's what he told Derek. He's like, all right, Derek, I'll get you in the Hall of Fame, but you got to throw it to me 17, 17 times, times a game. game. We're going to the Hall of Fame together, but you're throwing to me 17 times a game. That, that's a fun conversation there. I just, it's, um, I don't know, it's a fun expectation. Let me ask you this on the run game. Week uh, one, 13 carries, yeah. 64 yards as a team. Jacobs had 10 for 57. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Josh McDaniels, I mean, this is kind of the cliche of coaches that the the game dictates the run game, but I think they have to be a lot better. I mean, I think they have to be a little more balanced, don't you, than... What we saw last week. Now, again, I was at that game. I'm trying to remember the flow of the game in terms of, you know, how they ran the ball and in what situations they ran the ball. Um, but with the three picks, you'd, you'd hope that they could run the ball a little more um, than they did. I didn't. I was surprised he had 57. I don't remember all 57. He, I don't had, he had one big, like, 20-something yard run. There was, like, one explosive play in the running game, and it was, like, for 20-something yards. So he had nine for basically 25 the right. rest of the game, something along those lines, which is not very good. The, the thing with running the ball is you don't have to do it to win. Like, you don't have to go into a game and run for 150 no, yards. To win a game. Right. It's It's not as relevant as the passing game. But I think for the Raiders, it's there has to be some existence of it being successful if Derek Carr doesn't have a good game. Right? And I think that it all comes back to Carr. If Carr has a good game, we're not going to sit here and be like, ah, oh, they probably should run the ball more. But if Carr has a bad game, if Carr is, is throwing multiple interceptions in a game, if Carr is under pressure, then you look at it and say, okay, what can they get on the ground? Can they have any success there to keep the offense, keep drives alive, whatever it is? That, so I think it all comes back to Carr, and then ultimately the offensive line, because Carr's probably going to be good if he's not under pressure all the time. Right. He'll probably be fine, and it comes back to the offensive line. And the other part of this is we've talked so much about the bad offensive line. We've talked so much about what it means for Carr under pressure, the passing game. It's probably not very good for the running game either, right? If this offensive line is going to be a bad offensive line, right. they're probably not going to have a ton of great rushing days. It's just probably not going to happen. And Josh Jacobs is not going to have many impact games if the offensive line is this bad? So it's a it's a like the targets of Devontae Adams. I'm not exactly sure what the right answer is going to be for the Raiders and for this offense, but it does feel like they need something. They need the flexibility to where the offense, like in that game against the Chargers, it definitely felt like the offense was successful when they threw the ball to Devontae Adams. The offense was not successful when they tried to do literally anything else, mm -hmm. right? They need the flexibility, right? It's great to have Devontae Adams, 17 targets, 10 catches, 100-something yards. But you need to also be able to have, oh, they've taken Adams away for a quarter, a half, or a game. Here's Renfro and Waller. Or a quarterback's not performing well. Here's the run game to try to keep us afloat and keep us in the game. They just didn't have that flexibility or versatility in week one. So we need to see 
something the offense needs to be good at points beyond just throwing to Devontae Adams. The one asterisk I would put on throwing to Devontae Adams is maybe don't try to have him run all the way down the field and then you throw it. Well, if your quarterback can throw it that far, go for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm just saying maybe scrub that one from the playbook and go, maybe let's just get it to Devontae in space and it just helps. see, let him. Kind they of wiggle his way down. They did on that one where he just turned the back around. Because that was Asante Samuel. Wasn't yeah, it? he turned him yeah, around, and was that was good. just that was pretty good. If they can, yeah, just run the play where Devontae Adams jukes the quarterback <laughs> to yeah. the ground. That'll probably be pretty That'd good. Be like a forty-yard game, yeah. as long as he does it before the offensive line gives up a sack. Right, that'll be pretty good. You got to do it, you know, early in the route. Don't don't wait till you're twenty yards downfield. Early in the route, that'll probably be pretty good. Was it Jason Fitz who pointed out that? Yeah, it's great to have Hunter Renfro. He's got all these moves. They take a little bit, yes, though. Yes, 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 yeah. Long time. All right, coming up next, the Aces had a chance to win a WNBA title last night, and they failed to do so. Plum has it with three, with two. Plum's going to launch one from half court. Good if it goes. And it goes! KP for three! Boom! Shaka-laka-laka! Boom! For Kelsey Plum! And that's the way to send the Aces to the half. You're listening to The Press Box, Summer Edition. Well, that three cut the lead to 11, but the Aces didn't actually complete the comeback yesterday against Connecticut. They lost 105-76. to I'm going to be completely honest with you, Ed. I have no idea how Connecticut scored 105 points in a game. If Yesterday, I would have been like, they might get to 105 in two games, let alone one game. Didn't they shoot like 90% inside the paint? <laughs> they started the game 14 of 17 from everywhere. Made basically every shot in the first quarter. They cooled off a little bit after that. Uh, but they did not miss. And here, okay, there were a couple of, there were a lot of factors in this game. But to go through some of them, I think one of the big ones was that John Quell Jones was better than Asia yes. Wilson. Yes. John Quell Jones dominated Asia Wilson yep, inside. inside when she got the ball she was at the basket scoring she had 20 on 8 of 12 shooting and Connecticut outscored Vegas by 15 when she was on the floor meanwhile the Aces outscored by 18 when Asia Wilson was on the floor so basically the best player on each team went head-to-head and Connecticut Jones was much better one you also had a coaching element to this where Connecticut changed the way they were yep. guarding Chelsea Gray on ball screens they were hedging and, and basically just trapping her yep. coming off of ball screens. And the Aces, they did make some adjustments, but they were down by 20 at that point. It didn't matter a whole lot. But Chelsea Gray kind of looked like she'd never seen a trap coming off a ball screen before. Like, when you get trapped, that means the defense now has only three defenders to guard your Def- four teammates. To guard four players. And she, they couldn't find an open teammate. Now, part of that goes back to the Kia Stokes problem we've talked so much about where... When Kia Stokes is on the floor, you don't actually have to defend her most of the time, and that's what uh, Connecticut was doing. They would help. They would double-team Chelsea Gray. They'd help off a of Kia Stokes to make sure Asia Wilson didn't get a layup, and they, the Aces couldn't figure it out, couldn't beat it. So some of this was coaching, and then some of this was just Connecticut not missing. Like, some of that was just a a great game for Connecticut that you're not really going to... No, they had 34 in the first quarter. Right. You're not really going to replicate. No. So... You lose the battle of the uh, best players on each team. You pretty much get outcoached. Chelsea Gray doesn't actually handle a trap as a point guard very well. And the other team has just an unreal night shooting the ball. 
That's how they lost that game. Now, if you look ahead to games four and Sunday. potentially game five, how many of those things happen right. again? Well, specifically that Connecticut would shoot like that again. That's highly doubtful. Very, yeah. very yeah. unlikely. However, ESPN did have a stat. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's like in road playoff games, Connecticut's averaging like 71 points a game. In home playoff games, they're averaging like 88. Like they're unbelievably good offensively at home somehow. Whatever. Maybe they're, the, the depth perception at their arena is just much better for them to shoot. So maybe there's something to that. But I, I highly doubt they shoot that well. Now, the Aces lost by 30 points. So even if Connecticut shoots worse, they can still win the game sure. if John Quill Jones is better than Asia Wilson yeah. and, and Chelsea, Chelsea Gray that way. cannot figure out yeah. how to handle a ball screen trap. So that's, I think, two of the keys going forward into the next game because Connecticut shoot. If here's the thing, if Connecticut shoots like that, they're going to win the WNBA finals. Yes. If they do that two more times, it does not matter what the aces do. Right. Connecticut's winning the WNBA finals. It's just, it is what it is, but they're not likely to do that. So can Asia Wilson be better than John Quill Jones? And can they figure out what to do when Chelsea Gray gets trapped off of a ball screen? Those are, I think are the two big keys walking away from this game that the aces have to fix to win game. Four. It would be really interesting if it came back here because it's not in Michelob Ultra. It's an MGM. I, I mean, I'm, if, I it, am, if it comes back here to a court that neither team has played on, right? <laughs> that would be, I'm, I'm telling you, that would be interesting. I am officially cheering for game five. Only because you have tickets. Well, there's a lot of reasons. All right. First off, I've got tickets. I want to go see it in person. I'd much rather them win the title at home than on the road. That'd just be fun to actually be there. Tyler's going to rush the court. Um, <laughs> also, just just from a from a... Show perspective, <laughs> it would be much better if the Aces won the title on a Tuesday night than it would be if they won the title on a Sunday afternoon. Well, yeah, with the NFL, we right. talk about the Aces at 9.30. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Monday morning, if the Aces win the title on Sunday, we're still starting the show it's with the Raiders. the NFL. Right. Now, if they win it on a Tuesday night, it's our lead we story the on, Aces Wednesday, on a Wednesday. Right? So, from a content perspective, absolutely, I want them to go five and win on Tuesday. And then, also from a content perspective, I do want to spend parts of Monday and Tuesday yelling about how the hell are the Aces playing the most important game in franchise history on a neutral floor that's not yes. their home arena. Like yep. I, it's if they win in four, it's have not we a big determined deal. what's at Michelob Ultra Arena? I I haven't asked anybody, so I'm not going to act like I've tried to be a journalist on. I'm this, on but, it, but their their events for, page for is Tuesday. There's no public event. It's not like there's a concert or. Monster Jam or whatever the hell they'd have there, it's got to be a, a private small event for Monster Jam. Yeah, probably it's got to be a private event. Got to be a private event. It out. I'm some company was like, yeah, we want that arena to host whatever event we're having, and they kicked the Aces out of the WNBA <laughs> Finals for Game Five. Again, if they win in four, it doesn't matter. We won't really hear about it. If this goes to five, and the biggest game of the season, the biggest game the franchise has ever played when they got the one seed, is not at home, not at their home arena, and instead at MGM Grand Garden Arena, it's going to be a great story. Well, not great, but for Sports Talk Radio, going to get to yell about Nothing, it. Jared? No, the basically Banda, MS, and Eden Munez, that's the 18th. I, I got nothing. No, wow. yeah, there's there's not a public it's event a party. that they're selling tickets for. Mary J. Blige is here on the 8th. <laughs> <laughs> it's a corporate party. It has to yeah, be. Yeah, there's not a public event they're selling tickets for. 
So it's got to be a private event or Ooh. something else strange. That- and how long ago did whoever it is book that? Because I would think that once they knew the finals schedule that they would come off anything else. So it's been booked. I get my my guess is it's been booked for a while. If you're Mark Davis, and let's just say it's it's a private event, some company or something, do you not try to buy out that company that's hosting their event there? Um, yeah, I think I go to them and say how much. But yeah, you go. You basically say, I "Hey, mean, you say how much? How MG, much will it take?" MGM Grand Garden Arena is open that night. Um, why don't you guys head over there so we can play Game right. Five of the WNBA Finals here? I guess it depends on what I. I mean, if this, I mean, yes, if, if it goes come, to Game Five, we're going to find out what the situation is. Right. I mean, obviously, if you try to buy out this random private group and they're like, "All right, give us a hundred million dollars," right? Say, All right, enjoy the arena. We'll go to the MGM. But like, I mean, I don't know what the price would be, but if it was like, "All right, a hundred thousand dollars, and we'll move," Mark Davis should pay that. Mm-hmm. Get your home court back for Game Five. So yes, I am officially cheering for Game Five. Let's go, Dewana Bonner in Game Four. <laughs> Make it happen. Alyssa Thomas with her one-arm with shots her, and triple-doubles. And her triple-doubles. That's, by the way, one of the craziest things. Alyssa what, Thomas. triple-double? No, she's or got one-arm shot. a shoulder injury, so she can't shoot. So when she's open from 15 feet, she just uses her offhand and just sort of yeah. one-handed lofts it she up made, there. She made enough last night. She's made, the last two games, she's shooting like 70% yeah. on those in the last two games. And if I'm the aces, I'm like, well, of course I'm not guarding her. She can't shoot. But she keeps making these weird little one-handed half yeah. floaters. I guess you kind of have to guard it. They did block one last night that I was like, yeah, that should probably happen every time. <laughs> she doesn't jump when she shoots it. She's just no, taking a slow floaters. floater from 15 feet. Just block it. Take the take the ball with two hands. She's only got it in one. That shouldn't be a problem. Uh, so, yes, officially cheering for the Connecticut Sun in Game 4 for lots of, uh, lots of selfish reasons. Coming up next, Ben Brown joins the show. Herbert takes the handoff, looking for Horvath, got it again. Oh, the rookie out of Purdue with his second touchdown in as many weeks. One yard, Herbert to the right side of the end zone for Horvath, and they cash it in. Herbert takes the shotgun snap, throws to the end zone, looking for Mike Williams. One-handed grab! Touchdown, Chargers! Right corner, Mike Williams, 15 yards. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Um, all right, Ben, what ha- what happened to Brandon Staley? Why is he punting and kicking on fourth and short all the time now? I mean, I blame the media, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, I mean, he apparently oh. got scared. He's soft. He took too much heat last year. He's coaching for his job now. I don't know what it is, but it is... Uh, it's sad, to be honest with you. I feel uh, a little bit depressed here Friday morning because of it, that's for sure. I think the stat was uh, fourth and two or less from inside the 40. He has already punted or kicked more times this year than he did all of last season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was honestly, I mean, there was probably, you know, uh, I, looking back on now four situations where it seems like last year he clearly would have gone for it. Did not this year. I'm not quite sure. You know, listening to his press conference this morning, he talked about, having a better defense, this and that, and a lot of like the coach speak type things. But um, I don't know. I don't think either coach really put their team in the best position to win that game yesterday, unfortunately. All right. I've got to ask you a local question. It's gone from three and a half to five and a half with the Raiders. Why do you think of the big bump? Is Arizona that bad? Yeah, I think they are, honestly. Um, you know, 
there was probably some decent takeaways from the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think you can say the same thing about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, still quite a bit of injury concerns. Rondell Moore uh, looks very unlikely to play. I do think that, uh, you know, given the state of their offense outside of Marquise Brown, uh, they, they don't have a lot there, right? And I think, you know, with, with Cliff Kingsbury calling out his players, you know, practice habits and everything else already in week one, uh, there's just a lot of dysfunction in the Cardinals organization. I think that betters, you know, uh, uh, correctly probably uh, respond to that. And I think that's kind of why we've seen it. So I would say it's way more uh, on the side of the Cardinals being bad than the Raiders probably being, you know, really good or showing something that actually made people want to buy into them heading into week two. Uh, so not to ask you the whole must win type of question in week two, but the chiefs are already two and zero. the Raiders already have a loss to the chargers in the division. Uh, this seems like a pretty important game as far as not falling to zero and two with a loss to a potentially bad Cardinals team. Right. And I, and I agree. And actually I was, you know, looking not necessarily from the, the Raiders perspective, but I was looking at it from the chargers perspective and we had them right around uh, a 30% chance of winning the AFC West yesterday uh, with, with a win, they would have probably bumped all the way up to the close, like a 50% chance with a loss. They're now down to like a 20% chance based on our simulation. Obviously, uh, you know, the impact of what happens with the Raiders and Denver uh, is going to play into those percentages as well. But uh, I think that, you know, right now, with where the, the Chiefs are, uh, every win, especially at home when you're a five-and-a-half-point point favorite, is, is kind of a must-win if you want to keep pace, I would say, with one of the best teams in the NFL. So you don't want to say, you know, it's, it's a drastic outcome if they lose on Sunday, but this is a spot that they, I think, absolutely need. And if, and if they lose here, uh, definitely a spot where you're going to point back to and say, you know, this was, this was definitely one of the spots where they definitely lost their chance at winning the AFC West this year. Am I missing something given how he's lost to the Saints? I don't know if he's ever beaten him in the regular season with the Buccaneers. He can't. He has no one to throw to of why Tampa Bay might be favored against New Orleans. I mean, I think part of it is, uh, you know, there's. I still think there's probably some injury concerns with Jameis Winston, that quarterback, banged up, left for a little bit of the game, yet, uh, you know, last week. Uh, and I, I, I still think, you know, there's got to be concerns defensively uh, with what they showed in week one against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, they were supposed to have one of, if not the best defense in the NFL. That was supposed to be the unit that didn't really see a drop-off going from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen, who was the defense coordinator last year. And I think when you saw a team that everyone has, you know, a bottom two or three team in the NFL, kind of move the ball pretty effectively, basically up and down the field, you know, throughout the entire matchup, it is concerning. And, you know, maybe their offense looked a little bit better than the Northern Saints did, especially with Michael Thomas kind of back in the fold. But, uh, I still think that, um, you know, the Buccaneers are probably the class of the NFC right now. And I think, you know, pricing them as a minus two and a half point favorite seems like a pretty reasonable line. I actually think it's probably one of my favorite, uh, spreads to bet this week. I know the, I know the head to head matchup, like you mentioned, is a, a little bit concerning, but, um, I, I still think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are probably going to handle business against the Northern States on Sunday. Uh, what do you do with the Cowboys? Do you avoid anything until you actually see them play with Cooper Rush? I would definitely avoid them. I think uh, I, I don't know if it's avoiding them until I see them play with Cooper Rush. I think it might be until they're no longer playing with Cooper Rush might be my uh, more so my synopsis. But yeah, I, I like the Bengals before. Um, obviously, they didn't come through for me in week one. I do have some early numbers on them again here in week two. Um, I, I do think they probably are the only playable side as a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite. It's just, you know, the Cowboys, um, you know, without Dak Prescott, 
are not a good football team. I think we kind of saw the makings of that happening even in week one. They have CeeDee Lamb, but outside of him, no real playmakers at the wide receiver position. Their offensive line really banged up as well, did lose a lot of pieces. So I think the drop-off from what we experienced on their roster maybe wasn't factored into you know how well they were actually going to be in 2022. And then with no Dak Prescott, it, it's significantly compounded. So they're a team that I can't probably touch right now whatsoever. Maybe they show some life. You know, once they get Dak Prescott back, if it is on the early end of the the time frame that they're hoping for right now, maybe that's a spot where you can buy into them. But uh, until that point, I think they're, you know, all but gone, I would say, in the NFC East. Uh, Two big numbers here. Wondered which one you like better, Atlanta, the Rams, and Houston against Denver. We saw what happened with Denver uh, in their first game. Uh, And the Rams, I guess it's the sense that there's no way they could start 0-2. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be, right? And I, I I do think, you know, the Falcons showed life in week one, but um, I still think, you know, people are pricing them down uh, quite a bit. So, I don't know. I, I If I was going to back any team, I don't – last week, basically, you know, especially early on in the season, it's really difficult to lay some of these wide numbers on teams that I would say are not like the class in the NFL. And I think basically it's the Buffalo Bills, and they're probably a little bit ahead even of like a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. But outside of those two teams, I don't really feel comfortable laying 10 points with anybody right now. I think we saw it last week in week one. We could see it again this week. So I definitely think the Texans uh, are probably the you know best big spread dog that I could see covering here in week two. I know in uh, baseball, there's props about how many home runs will be hit each day and stuff like that. Have you seen anywhere that's offering props on how many missed field goals there will be on an NFL Sunday? (laughs) I haven't. I think that would be a really difficult handicap right now, too, because uh, it's it's tough in the streets for those kickers right now. I don't know exactly what it is, if it's field condition. Uh, I know specifically with the Bengals, there was a lot of blame, you know, with the replacement level uh, long snapper that they had kind of in the fold, but it's it's been tough out there. I, I should actually go through and see if I can maybe make an efficient line uh, that one of these books will hopefully release at some point in time. Cause it's definitely a prop that I would be uh, very intrigued with and probably betting on each Sunday. I think that would be a great way to watch NFL games. You just sit down and you cheer right. for missed kicks. Every time red zone goes to some team kicking a field goal, you're just cheering for him. I think that would be fun. Right. I would definitely be on board with it as well. I know it's like the red zone's already set up so well for that. The channel is specifically because we do see every single kick. So now just cheering for the downside is something that I could definitely get on board with as well. I love, I love the idea to be honest with you. What did you make of the Packers in the first week? I mean, it's a big number this week against the bears, but what did you make in that, in that game against Minnesota? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, early on, especially, um, you know, Christian Watson kind of dropped what, what, what should have been, you know, a touchdown, and we saw kind of the same old Aaron Rodgers, right? Frustrated, not necessarily trying to hide his displeasure with his young receiving unit. And I think that's, you know, if, if, if he can't figure that out and if that's not the way that those guys are going to respond positively to those situations, I think it's going to be a really long year in Green Bay because he absolutely needs, you know, one or two of these young receivers to actually step up and make plays for him and him to actually have confidence and trust in those receivers. And if that's not happening right now, they're not a team that I want to touch whatsoever. So I do think the Minnesota Vikings looked really good. I also thought the Packers probably looked just as bad as the Vikings looked good. So we'll see if some of that gap closes here in week two. But right now I do think that, you know, the Minnesota Vikings definitely look like the class of the NFC North. And it easily could probably run away with it here, uh, you know, in the, in the middle part of the season, I would say. 
Ben Brown with us from Pro Football Focus. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the percent chance for the Chargers to uh, win the division had they won last night, but they lost. Does Do you have any idea what that number would look like if they had to play one week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, without Justin Herbert? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to drop drastically, then, of course, right? I haven't looked at their, you know, upcoming schedule right now, but I do think that, you know, his injury situation looked bad right now, but looked bad last night, I would say. I know they have. Um, you know, they have the, the Jaguars next week. They do get, the, you know, 10 days off or whatever until that game, and then they have the Texans. So it seems like even with Chase Daniels at quarterback, if it is this two- or three-week type injury, they should still be able to kind of weather the storm. Obviously, the spread's not going to be anywhere close to where it was with Justin Herbert in the fold. But if he is out, I would expect them to win those two games. So maybe their division odds don't drop as much as what people expect. But uh, it all depends on, you know, the time frame of the injury and if they actually can be, you know, what I would consider is not a very good Jaguars or Texas squad right now. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So there's Ben Brown on the NFL as we look ahead to week two. I guess we've already started week two with the game last night. That's where we're going next. Uh, if you want to talk chargers and chiefs but first we're going to give away try to give away anyways 200 bucks it's friday football frenzy thanks to dollar loan center and right now you can get on the phone and you're going to have a chance to win 200 bucks we're going to give you three nfl games to whoever the lucky caller is if you pick the winner of those three games you'll win 200 thanks to dollar loan center we'll take caller number four right now at 702 702- Three six four eleven hundred. That's seven zero two three six four eleven hundred. Caller number four is going to have a shot at two hundred bucks. Herbert under pressure has Everett, and he's got the right sideline, thirty to the thirty-four yard line, and a new set of downs. And Herbert is slow to get up, and he is really slow to he's get up, holding his rib, his rib cage. He is grabbing his left leg and his rib cage, and you don't ever see that with Justin Herbert. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. It's Friday Football Frenzy, sponsored by Dollar Loan Center, offering signature loans up to $5,000. Stop by one of their 34 locations in Las Vegas and Henderson. We got Mike this week. We're trying to make it a little bit easier. We're trying to give not just the three games with the closest spreads, but actually some games with some wide margins. Uh, Last week, one and two was the record. Uh, so that didn't help very well. So Mike, here's what we got. We're going to have three games for you. If you get all three winners, right? No spreads involved. Just all three winners. You're going to win 200 bucks. If you don't, that $200 will roll over to next week and somebody will have a shot at $300. All right, Mike, your first game is Texans at Broncos. I got to go with the Broncos. All right. Game number two is right here. Cardinals at Raiders. The nation. Take that one. And then the last one for you is the Commanders at Lions. I have to go with the Lions on that one. All right. Broncos, Raiders, Lions, all three home teams. If they all win, you get 200 bucks. If not, that'll roll over to next week. Mike, thank you so much. Good luck. Thanks, Mike. Good luck. All right, thanks. So, Broncos, Raiders, Lions, all three win. Mike's getting 200 bucks thanks to Dollar Loan You surprised you went Lions? Uh, They're at home. Yeah. They put up like thirty. That's I know, seven I know. points. That's they the did. that's the one close spread that I gave him. So either way, yeah. wouldn't, a, wouldn't we're being nice this it. year. 
Or trying to I be mean, nice. I mean, if we get to seven or 800, then <laughs> well, people are really, <laughs> really messing us up. Yeah, we got to eight or nine last year. Yeah. We but were, those we, were a lot close. All games were close at that point. With um, Okay, last year, spread. the highest we got was 500. Oh, five? We did it oh, twice. Okay. The year before, we got to 900 and gave away 900 bucks. So, yeah, we've got we've got some... Just uh, to put it out there, picks. Clay and I got to 900 once, and the guy got us Starbucks cards. So if you get up to 900, we'd all prefer... We did not get Starbucks cards two years ago. Tyler would prefer Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I'll take Starbucks. Jared? Um, does 7-Eleven just offer kind of a generic gift they, card? They do. Okay. They do. I've gotten you card. one before. Oh, that, okay. That's why I was like, I remember that being a really good gift. <laughs> all right. Did you have any big takeaways from Chiefs Chargers last night? I have a takeaway from the guy coming back on the uh, announcing that you don't see that from Justin Herbert. Well, you don't see that from anyone until they get crunched in the ribs and driven <laughs> to the ground. Like, I don't think Justin Herbert is immune to getting hurt if someone just drills him in the ribs and pile drives him. That that was a, I will say, and yes, my Chiefs fandom is a little bit showing. I kind I thought it was a clean hit. I thought it was it a was, clean hit oh, too, but it, I mean, he got like, him. But it was like, oh, yeah, oh, bad. He yeah. did. He did exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. He hit him in the strike zone, the torso, not the head, not the legs. No, it was a clean hit. And it, he didn't do the bot. He kept his body weight off of him. That's been one of the funniest penalties as you get flagged if your body weight lands on the quarterback. It's hilarious. But he managed to not put his body. I think the guy who sacked him, like Herbert actually landed on his helmet a little bit because he was trying to not have his body weight land on Herbert. That was like, that should be the hit on a quarterback <laughs> that the NFL shows every year to say, this is legal roughing the passer, or however the hell you'd phrase that. This is okay, because he did exactly what you're supposed to do. It was a clean hit. Um, my biggest takeaway is Brandon Staley is a coward. <laughs> what happened here? The Chargers went for it on fourth down more than anybody in the league last year. It was all, look at Brandon Staley. He's doing what the win probability says. Hey, it's fourth and short. You're near midfield, whatever. You're going for it, because that gives you a better chance to win the games. Like four times last night, he either kicked a field goal or punted, on fourth and two or less. He's listening to too many people. Unbelievable. Listening then, to too many outsiders. And then after the game, when he's asked about it, he gives all the cliches that dumb coaches give. Ah, we got to pin him deep. We got to flip the field. We got to give our defense a chance. No, you don't. You go for it. And here's the funny part. People have been like um, theorizing that he's kicking more this year. A, because there's pressure on him and they failed last year overall in the season. But B, because he finally thinks he has a good defense. To me, if you have a good defense, that's even more reason to go for it. If I've got a good defense... Right, you trust them that if you that if you fail, they can still hold them. Right, they'll bail you out. Unbelievable. Right. Absolute cowardice from Brandon Staley. But also, Andy Reid doesn't get off the hook either because fourth and goal from the one, he trots out his field goal unit. What, you got Patrick Mahomes? That's after... Uh... They did the little shovel to Kelsey that people have now sniffed out a little. Right? Is that the first time that's ever been stopped? I, that no. might be. Okay. It's been it's been blown up in the backfield horrendously. I believe by the Bills. Okay, I only see it work then apparently. But I was yeah. like, oh, somebody stopped that. Uh, go for the touchdown with Pat. So both coaches cowards. But Staley, we had some hope that he was going to usher in the new era of aggressiveness on fourth downs, and he didn't. Nightmare. I will say that that was a fun game that two seventh-round picks both scored touchdowns. Yes. Like, two seventh-round rookies randomly were like, we made the team and also we're scoring today. That was that was kind of a neat little thing that, like, hey, when you guys draft people, you draft people that will contribute to your team. <laughs> Maybe because it was Thursday night, 
and there's sometimes some impacts on how good the offenses are on Thursday night. My other main takeaway from that are the defenses in this division really good? Uh, I'm trying to think of all the, th- I don't know. I I watched the Broncos. There is not, they been outplayed a, Seattle they and did. lost. Like everybody's like, Oh, Geno Smith, Geno Smith threw for 195 yards. Yeah. The game. Broncos like, are a better team. They just fumbled the ball twice <laughs> in the one yard line. That doesn't help. The Broncos defense has been, was good in their one game. The Raiders defense. I mean, they gave up 24 points to Justin Herbert, which is seven in the second half. Right. It's not like a great performance, but it's better than I think I expected, right. especially in the second half. And then the Chargers and chiefs last night, that, that felt like a good, like two good defensive games, right? You probably walk away both teams thinking, yeah, I feel pretty good about what our defense did. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, oh, is this like, we've talked all about the offenses, all about the quarterbacks in this division. Is this, are these teams going to have Might good defenses, defenses too? Yeah. Like the Super Bowl winners in this division. We just don't know which well, one it is. The, the Bills aren't in the division. Just get out of here, Bills. Bills aren't in the division. The part I enjoyed is the guy who hadn't caught a touchdown pass since 2019, basically making J.C. Jackson go, what, wait, wait, where'd that little guy go? And fall over while he's just trotting into the end zone. Random wide receiver. Which, by the... Okay, which pass was better? Mahomes' touchdown that went right off the fingertips of J.C. Jackson or Herbert at, with broken ribs or Herbert. whatever the hell he has Herbert. on fourth down? Yeah. I guess his wasn't a touchdown, but on fourth no, down, that, getting, but that it, pass was ridiculous. getting inside the 10. That pass was like the the touch, the one touchdown pass he threw against the Raiders yeah. between like two people. That pass was also, he, we had just seen him go, uh, I'm not running. Yeah, he, I, I he hurt. Just, he just I hurt threw, bad. He threw it into the ground. <laughs> he couldn't, and he had a wide open right. lane to run for the first down, and he still just threw it into the ground. Third and, and two, he could have face planted. And would have got and he just sort of he could get two yards by putting that ball yes. in his own helmet. And it was and everybody saw that and was like, oh wow, this is bad. Very next play, best <laughs> pass of the season. How much uh blame on the goal line with the route that guy ran, or did he put it all on Herbert? Because that guy he was the one who wanted out. They didn't take him yeah. out and he just kind of like wandered over. That's so Chargers. The guy's like, I'm tired, I need to get off the right. field. And Herbert's like, no, no, we're going no huddle. We got them. Right. And then I'm guessing it's on the receiver because Herbert thought he was staying he inside. He, kinda, he didn't stay inside and he just kind of wandered out. But also the defender started to move inside. So maybe the receiver was like, oh, he's moved, taking a step inside. I'm wide open to the outside. I don't actually know. But yeah, that's pretty brutal. And then brutal. for nobody. To t- By the way, the guy, Gerald Everett, he went to pick up his mouthpiece instead of trying to tackle the guy who picked it off. <laughs> I know. <laughs>